Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest episode of Six Rings and Football Things, a Patriot-centric podcast brought to you by your friends at WEEI, Odyssey Sports, and 2400 Sports. Alongside the great, mighty, and powerful Andy Jumbo Hart and Shime Time, Chris Shime, I'm your old pal Nick Fitzy-Stevens. On today's show, we'll discuss the recent Patriots coaching Zooms and some high-flowing confidence in the second-year linebacking core, Andy's column, on who he thinks is going to make a veteran second-year leap, plus a little segment we like to call Pat's Potpourri, where we'll get to the news, notes, nuggets, and nonsense that have been floating and swirling around Patriots Nation. Gentlemen, good afternoon. How be we today? Wonderful, Fitzy. I'm, I've been watching the PGA Championship all day, if I'm being completely honest. That's a, beautiful, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The weather has been nice. It's going to be 90 this weekend. People are out and about enjoying themselves, uh, the community, youth sports, leisure time. Even Andy Hart has a smile on his face today. Damn right. What Shine just said. Boat's ready. The boat's going in this weekend, and you will find me in a boat with a Miller Lite in my hand by Sunday. Boats and Throws, the original title of this podcast, but of course, corporate shot it down. So here we are. We are Six Rings and Football Things. And of course, gentle reminder, everybody, to follow us on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. That would be the number six. Don't bother spelling it out. And of course, if you would like to ask a question anytime, Pod at gmail.com. We kick things off today in segment one, the first part of the pod. With uh, the coaches Zooms that I mentioned just a few minutes ago on the previous podcast, we talked about Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and their media availability in the back-to-back Zoom sessions. Uh, Earlier this week, Andy, we heard from Steve Belichick, who had a playful little back and forth, seemed to be in a good mood, which is amazing considering the workload that he has. He's also a a father for the third time recently, so you know there's no no sleep for the wicked. Um, You glean from his presser that the kind of confidence the Patriots displayed in their youth movement at linebacker the second year linebacking core that will largely second third year if you will let's not parse or mince words um or numbers what are they just science uh focus, focus. the cameron mcgrones of the world the josh uches uh and of course ronnie perkins drafted last year out of oklahoma 
in the third round by the Patriots 2021, that there seems to be a lot of confidence in these guys and their physical ability. Now, we haven't seen much from them to date on field. Uh, per Perkins got a veritable classic Patriots red shirt last year. McGrone obviously recovered from the torn ACL. And Josh Uche, uh, to this point, I think we can all agree, has, hasn't been a bust. But uh, I would rather we not see him trend in that, uh, you know, Sean Crable, disappointing second round, uh, even Chase Winovich direction. So uh, how do you feel about the oncoming Perkins, Uche, and McGrone season, as the kids like to say, Andy? Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, Matt Gross started sort of this discussion when he talked about being excited about the linebackers they have, whether it's McGrone or anybody else, as maybe a reason they didn't address the linebacker position among their 10 picks on draft weekend. And you described it accurately. Like there's potential, there's mid round draft picks, second, third round draft picks. So theoretically, these are guys that were well thought of coming out of college. Even McGrone, who's a fifth round pick, had he not been hurt, probably would have been a higher pick, a speed-based linebacker out of Michigan. But there's also just endless questions. I think all of the Patriots linebackers right now, as I do a mental checklist, have spent at least one stint on IR the last two years. And because Uche has been on and off, Jennings. Um, per Perkins but, spent the whole year last year. Perkins the whole Ma year. McGrone, obviously. Raekwon, Ma Raekwon McMillan, who there was a lot of good year. buzz last year. He was so, out the whole year. For, for the, those reasons, first of all, health, you know, availability is the most important ability for right. Bill Belichick's Patriots. And then secondary to that is, we really have no idea if any of them can play other than maybe McMillan, who's a, I'll, I call him sort of a young veteran, um, former second round pick, Dolphins, Raiders, started for both those teams at various points, but still young. And we'll get into him uh, a little bit later on. But what stunned me was the way Josh Uche was described by his, I can't call him defensive coordinator because it's not his title. We don't do titles. Defensive, defensive play coach. Caller. Defensive coach. Right. Um, he said of Josh Uche, Steve Belichick, quote, I see him as part of the, since it's the hot word right now, part of the blueprint. I see him being an important piece to the puzzle for us going forward. And he talked on from there. I like the, the optimism, I guess. And he talked about it's not just Uche. It's how he fits in with the other pieces, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that I hold the same optimism for him that Steve Belichick does. Now, he sees a lot more, been around him all in the offseason, the workouts, all of that. I was actually hopeful Uche was going to blow up last year with the arrival of Judon. I thought the arrival of Judon might open up opportunities for Uche, and they just never really came. There was a couple little blips here, like one-offs in games, late in games, but I'm intrigued by his athleticism, his size, the idea. But year three in the NFL, I mean, hell, year three in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes was what, an MVP and a Super Bowl champion? Like, life comes at you fast in the NFL. You don't generally have a lot of time to develop. So I think it's interesting how positive Steve Belichick was on Uche. I hope he's right. So, yeah, Shime, I, was, I, was just, I would just want to say we've seen flashes of Uche. In 2020, he had a couple of nice, a uh, couple of nice sacks, a couple of great rushes. Last year, uh, we didn't see as much. Like Andy said, he underwhelmed. Maybe some cleanup duty in the aisle sacks, but not uh, the 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 potential. No, he hasn't delivered on said potential that we've seen yet. Um, are we just are we just you know pinning the defensive hopes of the Patriots to promise athleticism and 
you know, freaky physical gifts? Or do you think these guys can be scheme fits in a Patriots 2022 defense TBD? I think Uche can probably be a scheme fit. Like, I think he can, he'll be involved. I just don't know that he'll be any kind of game breaker or any kind of like cornerstone building block. I think he could be a useful piece. I just don't see him as the ultimate, you know, foundational prospect or player that you want I, I really don't see it with any of these guys to be honest with you and that's why that's what has me concerned and to be fair I haven't seen Ronnie Perkins and I haven't seen Cam McGrone on an NFL field really so I can't tell you what I really expect from them I can only tell you what I went back and looked at when they came out of college and I didn't love what I see I didn't, I didn't hate it I guess um and you also have to take into consideration how these guys are healing from whatever injuries held them out for an entire season um, so I think Uche could have some impact. The other guys though, I have zero faith in. And to me, it was kind of, it felt like an oversight not to have a better backup plan if they don't come through. So let me ask you a philosophical question. Ooh. Okay. Cause I actually look at it. I think opposite of you shine. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm, let me get my popcorn. Well, I've seen Uche over two years. There's a reason it's called the year two jump and not the year three jump. Because generally, by the time you reach year three, you're starting to kind of, you are who you are. Maybe you're a backup linebacker. Maybe you're a, a special team or a fill-in. Uh, point, of, point of order, counsel. I had always heard that it was like the year year three years. That much more for no. like wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive specialists. Oh, no. For Belichick is a big believer that between rookie season and year two is where you make your biggest jump for any position. Any okay. position on the football field. And obviously, Uche didn't do that last year. If anything, I think he kind of took a step backwards or plateaued, however you want to call it. So the I'm almost more able to buy into something I haven't seen. Cam McGrone, um, Ronnie Anthony Perkins, Jack, Ronnie Perkins, even Mac Wilson coming from the Browns. Mm, haven't seen yeah. him as a Patriot. His he's an interesting guy because they the teams basically swapped guys whose playing time diminished in their careers starting out. Like Winovich saw his play time go down, just like Mac Wilson did in Cleveland. Um, so there's a part of me that I don't want to say given up on Uche. Cause I, again, last August, I was hopeful. I was really hopeful of him. And then when that wasn't, didn't come to fruition at all last fall, I'm almost like, well, time to move on. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't work. Yeah. I well, see exactly where you're hmm. coming from, Andy. Cause I, I understand the idea of, oh, at least these guys I think have more potential cause I haven't seen them. Whereas you've at least seen Uche, but I guess my ultimate question is, and Fitzy, you can, you can probably lend towards this a little bit. I, I just, I feel like if none of these guys pan out though, aren't you kind of screwed? Like, no, not, no, no, not, not kind of. You're kind of, kind of not necessary. Yeah, kind is completely you're unnecessary. Screwed, if these guys, everything, you, you are screwed, blue, and tattooed. If these guys don't Actually, work out, let, wait, no, let me let me pause on no, that. You're well, being overly negative, Fitzy. As you no, no, no. But do. but I said <laughs> if they don't work out in Shime's world, in this particular yes. version no, no, of it the was, Matrix, it's simply a hypothetical. It's, no, no, it's a hypothetical, which is fine. I I happen to believe the thing that I'm looking forward to. I've been pinning all of my hopes as the Foxborough fanboy, if you will, on the development of the offense, Mac Jones hitting his stride year two, opening things up, power rush game, and the Patriots finding a way to keep up offensively. And as we pointed out in the previous episode of Six Rings, there's reason to be concerned about the offensive development, who's going to be in Mac's ear, and exactly what the scheme, dream, and plan is going to be on offense this year, which is why I am sort of doing a preseason pivot to pinning my hopes 
to the defense because a obviously that's Bill Belichick's specialty. It's kind of the forte and what he's already in the Hall of Fame for being the defense. Tell Josh guru. Allen that he'll never believe it. And <laughs> why don't you go on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, you jerk? And, and also. Uh, and also, I'm really most excited to see what this defense looks like because they have committed to not having any sort of stud, standout, or shutdown corner. They might play anywhere between three and seven safeties on any given play. And this linebacking core is a massive risk gamble and bet by the Patriots that the speed and athleticism that they're going to deploy from them all over the front, the middle, and the back end of the defense is going to be what's needed to keep up or stop the Buffaloes in Kansas City's and, God willing, make them punt. Uh, but before I forget, Andy, I want to ask you this question about defensive ends um, and edge setters for the Patriots. Now, obviously, the, uh, Matt Judon had a great season last year, kind of ran himself a little ragged. We don't know if it was COVID, a hidden injury, uh, or him just getting too far upfield and people game planning for the way he got after the quarterback being the reason why he, like the team, tapered off at the end of the season. Guys like Trey Flowers are the quintessential, like perfect edge defender, defensive end for the Patriots because they're strong enough to set the edge and hold up at the point of the attack. They can rush the passer. They're fundamentally sound. And I just wonder if Perkins, if Uche are big enough and fundamentally sound enough, big enough hands, long enough arms, to fit that mold of what Belichick likes out of his edge defenders. Well, I mean, not to play a Trey Flowers hand in the dirt defensive end kind of role, not all the time. But I think Uche has some stoutness to him that in certain situations you can do that. But they're more of the stand-up Matt Judon types. And and I and I think they have a group of those guys. And I also think you're going to see some of the versatility on the defensive line. People forget about Henry Anderson who was a non-factor a year ago, a professional Patriots-type versatile defensive lineman. That tore I his think, peck early on, right? Excuse me? His what? He tore his pectorals. Yeah, I tore him a peck. <laughs> I thought that went a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> cool. well, that was the, that's the great line from that's the great line from Kingpin. Are you okay? I think I tore my sack. What did yeah. you say? I said, I think I tore my sack. Well, I thought that's what you said about Henry Anderson, and no. I, don't, I can understand why he missed the whole year if that was the case, but <laughs> also for the pec injury as well. Um, but no, so like they have these guys that I think are more on the outside linebacker, edge-setting, athletic mold, Perkins, Uche. But I wanted to get back to, so you touched on it, the safety depth. Certainly, Duggar, Phillips, Peppers are or could be a linebacker on every single play or a linebacker-like role. You add in Bentley, who they like slash trust slash have come to grips with his pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, what he is, limitations. And then when you mix in Raekwon McMillan and Mac Wilson, two veterans who have played in the, the NFL, just not in New England, I don't know that it's boom or bust for Uche Jennings, McGrone, and I would also argue your drafting has been even more hellacious than we thought if you get nothing out of that entire list. Oh, if it's McGrone, way worse than uh, we thought. Jennings, Uche, but my guess is, and this is where I'm always kind of 50-50 negative slash optimistic, if you get anything out of one of those four guys, well, you're probably going to get something out of two of them, and probably two of them blow and won't be here very long, may not be on whatever, but if you get two of those guys, the safety depth, 
and then you lean on the Mac Wilson, Raquan McMillan, Juwan Bentley trio, I actually think you have a um, not good. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting together the freaking. But it's usable. Monsters. Yeah, like, and and it's a piece of the puzzle to use Steve yeah. Belichick's words. Yeah, I, I serviceable. Think that's, that's what we're settling for now. Serviceable. Hey, Fitzy, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, you're asking for any kind of bright side, Fitzy. There you go. At the very least. Why am I the voice of optimism on this damn podcast? I, I you are not. You. I just asked a question like we're settling for serviceable. Now, I happen to think they'll be more than serviceable. I'm buying into their promise and potential. Uh, and it's not just because, oh, Belichick must have liked him and he drafted him for a reason. So obviously I should buy in and show all the Foxborough faith, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. No, these guys have... They should have the physical tools to be able to get it done. My only question was, are they small enough? But shine back to you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just I think Andy kind of cleared it up a little bit. Like I, I think I think he's right. I think with the safety depth that you have, those guys are versatile enough where they play this kind of hybrid safety linebacker spot. So even if those guys necessarily the McGrones and the Perkins and the Uches don't necessarily work out, it's you're you have something that you can at least work with at the linebacker position, even if it's, you know, a couple safeties playing linebacker on yeah. every play. And it's, it's, you have, you know, you have McCourty and one safety up high, and then you have two other safeties down in the box. Like I can at least, that that's kind of the direction I thought they were going with anyways, when I saw all these safeties being drafted. Um, so I, I guess I, I guess I kind of understand that perspective. All right, here's a six rings question I want to ask. Uh, let's run around the room, and then everyone who's listening right now, please reply, weigh in. Uh, maybe we'll even do a little bit of a Twitter poll based around this. So of the linebackers that the Patriots are looking to rely on that we haven't seen much from in previous seasons come 2022, who do we think between Perkins, McGrone, McMillan, or Uche we will see the best season from Shima. I'll go to you first. Yeah, I think it has to just be Raquan McMillan is the obvious answer here, just because like he's at least played in the NFL a little bit. Like I understand it hasn't been a lot, but like he was a second round pick by the Dolphins. Belichick likes to take relatively high picks from other teams and make them at least marginally better on his team. Uh, so I, I think McMillan probably has the highest upside this season is what I would go with uh, than the other guys. Okay. I think McMillan's the answer. Um, I think he's got like 20 starts in his career. I really, I thought he was intriguing last uh, summer before he tore his ACL. Even his personality uh, seemed a little bit in line with what we saw from that free agent class. I think he was going to fit in on and off the field. He actually has 32 starts in his career, just so you know. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say inside linebackers, there's a lot of those guys that make their way through that you never, they're like guards in some sense. Guards, defensive linemen, they're these guys that just bounce around the league. You know the name, and then you look at their resume and you're like, wow, that guy started 58 games over X number of years or whatever. He did have a 100 tackle season his rookie year. So, like, I, I think there is some. Somebody has to. Oh, yeah. And they, and they, they raised a fight I, about tackles. Was Jawan Bentley no, no, good last year? I, look at, no, look, this, this is not a fight about tackles. This is not a fight about tackles. It's just to say that he was on the field doing something compared he, to. He the was on the field. If you had been on the field, you would have had 100 tackles. That's how the nature of the inside linebacker position works. Yeah, I, could, I but, probably would have got run over a few times. But, Andy, a lot of times, and unfortunately, he did too. <laughs> and the same thing happened with the Patriots as well, safeties end up making the tackles. And when a safety is your leading tackler, you could say that's probably no bueno because that means they're getting to getting through to your well, third line of defense. But now, also, a lot it does depend because 
a lot of safeties are now playing closer to the box and they're playing. Richard Troy Palomalu led the Steelers or was near the top of the Steelers at times. And they were all within like three feet of the line of scrimmage. Human anomaly and a complete freak of nature. Uh, um, real quick so we can wrap up. I wanted to just uh, say quick. I yeah, actually think McGrone might be the upside guy. Yeah. Like the That's word my that pick. you used, okay. Shine. Yeah. Now, I think fans have put the Fitzies of the world, the Jerry Thorntons of the world, the super fans have put way too much stock in this idea that he is the answer to the modern speed-based Patriots linebacker. That's not fair to him. That is not fair. He, the guy didn't have that extensive playing time or career at Michigan. He comes out, probably could have come back for another year, comes out, gets hurt. Like there are lots of, I don't want to say red flags, but question marks for the guy. But if you're saying best case scenario, if like the absolute best thing happens, it might be McGrone having the best upside. Yeah, look, listen, the reason why Steve Belichick's and other coaches of the Patriots world are so excited about Cameron McGrone and the others is because they're theirs. It's like you get excited about your own kids. It doesn't mean that they're going to be the best athlete or that the, the, the most well-behaved. We deal with them because they're in our house, and that's all we got. I will say, though, that if you do a tertiary little search on Twitter for Cameron McGrone, it's M-C-G-R-O-N-E or uh, the Irish response to any jokes Andy Hart makes, you see all the amazing things that Gerard Mayo, Steve Belichick, they say that he's done an amazing job picking up the defense and that his physicality, if you will, his his tools, if you will, Andy, um, are what get the coaches most excited for him to maybe develop into something. And it's a plus that even though he was recovering from the ACL, he did work out and practice with the team for a couple of weeks last year. And they said that was a, you know, a great step in the right direction. So, we shall see. Once again, give us a vote. Reply to the pod if you get a chance on the socials. Which of the Patriots' second-slash-third-year linebackers you think is going to make the biggest leap come year two on the 2022 New England Patriots defense? And, of course, give us a follow at Six Rings Pod, sixringspod at gmail.com to get your questions heard or largely ignored by Andy, cherished and saviored and appreciated by me and Shime Time. Moving on, as the kids like to say, it is no longer second-year linebacker season, SZN. It is now second-year veteran leap season, SZN. In a column that was published recently to WEEI.com, we thank you for your clicks. Our very own Jumbo Hot himself uh, offered his predictions for which Patriots veterans may make the biggest leap come year two. Now, there are, there are those who signed on to the team last year. Uh, during the uncharacteristically aggressive offseason, wherein the Patriots spent the budget of a Matrix sequel, bringing in several key veterans from across the NFL. We saw dividends paid and then some from your Matthew Judons and surprises uh, like my guy, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry as well. And then, of course, there were the <clears throat> Nelson Aguilar's and Jonu Smith, quarter in the Jonu Smith jar. Andy, rank them out for us. Give us a little bit of a list. Tell us who you have the most faith in being integral to the Patriots' offense or defense in 2022 and why. So this is interesting because the first guy on my list, I was a little bit dubious of uh, last summer. I had heard lots of reports of questionable hands, and I saw said questionable hands in training camp. Uh, but it's a guy that already had a positive impact, both with his personality and his play on the field. But it's Kendrick Bourne. I think I have bought into the Brian Barrett world of all he needs is more chances. He had four or fewer targets in 12 of the 17 games. Targets, not catches. That is a crime. Actually, that is a crime. 
Exactly. And, you know, he had good production, 50 catches, 800 yards, led the team with a 14.5 yard average. I think there's room for growth. I think there's room for more. The work ethic, the infectious personality. Him, you ever notice who he's always with? Anybody notice who he's always with? Mac Jones. Yep. Mac Jones. Good idea. You know where I learned that lesson from? The little twerp turns Patriots Hall of Famer named Julian Edelman who absolutely nuzzled his face up to Tom Brady's ass and turned it into a borderline Hall of Fame career. When you're with the quarterback, good things can really come, especially if you have talent and you do work and all of those things that also matter. So I think Kendrick Bourne would be one on my list. So that's one where it's a guy who your first taste of him was like, oh, this is pretty good. You want more. He wants more. And there's a little disrespect going on. Bet online uh, put out their odds for – uh, individual player props for who could lead the NFL in passing yards, receiving yards, and rushing yards. Mac Jones, middle of the pack. Damian Harris, pretty pretty high on the list. I think he was like tied for 12th with Ezekiel Elliott. Kendrick Bourne did not receive votes. The Patriots did not have a single receiver listed as a guy who could possibly lead the NFL in receiving yards anywhere on the list. And this included rookies. They went like 47 wide receivers deep in their odds, and they never got to any Patriots player. It's a long shot. I'm not saying Kendrick Bourne should be in the conversation to lead the NFL in receiving yards, but he should be in the conversation to lead the Patriots in receiving yards. A thousand yard season should not be seen as like, oh, that's nice. No, no, no. I actually expect him, if he can stay healthy, to be a thousand yard receiver for Mac Jones this year. Same. I would like to just update, as the gambling guy, I would like to give an update to Andy's uh, bet online comment. So if you go to DraftKings, which is the closest actual sports book that I can use, uh, seeing yeah. as I'm nice and close to New Hampshire, mm -hmm. uh, Kendrick Bourne is on the list, but he is very far down. Mm -hmm. uh, he is at uh, plus 15,000. So um, why not take a $2 yeah. flyer on that, right? I mean, yeah. just, a, just a couple bucks could end up paying you massive dividends, kind of like throwing a couple bucks at a guy most people hadn't heard of from San Francisco to come in and be a key cog in your offense. Andy, everything that you said about Kendrick Bourne resonates true and then some. The the infectious personality, the energy, the fact that he cracked the Belichick code. Yep. More difficult than cracking the Enigma code. He's Alan Turing of the Patriots locker room. The guy makes him laugh. He makes him smile. They have, uh, they, they, it's, it's and, and, and there's that joy about him that I absolutely love. Plus, He's a sneaky good playmaker. Maybe he's not the fastest. Does have pretty solid hands, unlike Aguilar. And on top of it all, his red zone conversion rate is tremendous. He scores touchdowns. They should target him in the red zone more. They should target him in the middle of the field more. They should give him a couple flyers deep. Uh, I mean, th those two, two passes I can think of from last year. Obviously, the bomb against Dallas after Mac threw the pig six to the pick six to Trevon Diggs. And then that touchdown against Cleveland where Bourne went up in the air, a good foot and a half, caught it, crashed down between two defenders at the goal line. Spectacular. That Those are not anomalies. These aren't accidents. The guy has it in him to be a leading receiver, and you couldn't ask for much more. Okay, so the next guy on my list is the opposite end of the spectrum. I think he had much higher expectations a year ago as part of that uncharacteristically aggressive free agent class. Some of us Believed he was going to lead the team in virtually everything, double-digit touchdowns, 1,200 yards, be the centerpiece of the offense. And his name is Jonu Smith, and um, his first season in Foxborough was the thing of nightmares. He was, not only was he not productive, he was 
counterproductive. He was a net negative. We all remember the turnovers and the bad plays and the whoop-de-doo in the Saints game. where uh... it's like, And Josh McDaniels invested so much summertime, practice time, camp time into Jonu Smith, centerpiece of the offense, move him all over, get him the ball. This is obviously Fisher cut bait season in the uh, maritime area that is Foxborough Gillette Stadium because they're paying him a ton of money. They can't get out from under the money, so they need to find a way to make him productive. I know the lack of a fullback could open up opportunities for his versatility and sort of he's in the backfield, matchups, blah, blah. I'm sorry. This is as much about has to happen as I hope it happens. Jonu freaking Smith has to do something to contribute to the New England Patriots. The man is making $12.5 million a year. Yeah, I, I mean, he had a tough year, man. That was disgusting. No, no, no beyond weird. tough. Like, don't, it was. Don't, don't start apologizing. He's a grown-ass man. He had a highly productive season, eight touchdown years, 40 catches, hundreds of yards. Just because, just because he didn't turn the league upside down, just because he didn't lead the Patriots in yards, touchdowns, yak, whatever, yards Absolutely per reception anything. like did anything he did you know what he led the patriots in reasons why i had to contribute to the swear jar because yeah, I, like he was infuriatingly bad he looked like fourier christian fourier will tell you he's thinking the playbook where he should be uh it's all in his head and he's not using his physical gifts to just react and play the game fluidly shine that's right let I me think, ask you a question okay go ahead does it concern you they paid John o. Smith for what he's capable of doing, not what he's done. He yep. was in an offense that had a good quarterback, a great running back, and good receivers. Yep. Play action and tight ends, yes. He never put up huge numbers or production there. Other nope. than the touchdown, even eight touchdowns is like, it's good. It's not like, oh my God, eight touchdowns. It's better than one. Is, <laughs> But my point is, like... Is he just who he is? Is he like an athlete who never is going to be a really all that productive football player? I, I mean, there's that chance. I, I think that that's definitely a possibility, which is one of the reasons why I would actually lean towards Hunter Henry, the other tight end, having a better year to jump with the Patriots than Jonu Smith. You saw what Hunter Henry can give you. He gave you exactly what he's done every other season in the NFL last year, which exactly. was like 600 yards mm -hmm. and a handful of touchdowns. He had nine last year, right? He can get he, yeah. 10. I I'm believe he had nine. 10. Okay. But either way. Yeah. I'll take a lap. <laughs> it's fine. Nine is the um, new ten. Only on six like rings. Mother, you know. Regardless, what. I think there's. I think Hunter Henry can give you more. Like I've always thought, he has relatively underachieved for what he is when he was with the Chargers, and then this year you saw what he was with the Chargers. I think now a second year in the offense, a second year with Mac Jones, I think Hunter Henry could have a a decent year two jump where he gets you know an extra hundred yards receiving and and could get. You know, if if Mac takes a step forward, I think Hunter Henry could get double digit touchdowns. Uh, yeah. And all and also, uh, I'll point this out too. Uh, to your point on Kendrick Bourne nuzzling up to Mac Jones and being buddies with him and Belichick, Hunter Henry very tight with Mac Jones. Their families hang out. Whatever. Also, noted fan of one of our favorite breweries, Vitamin C Brewing. Uh, so he's got good he's got good taste in quarterbacks and his uh, adult beverages. But Hunter Henry, I think here's a, here's a, is a perception issue. I think a lot of people thought in Hunter Henry they were getting like a new Gronk. He's not. He's not no, Gronk. He's not. He's, that. he's never going to be. That's not. His, that's not his whole thing. No, it's completely unfair to think that you're going to get Gronk, Gronk-esque, or Gronk-adjacent. He's his own thing. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly which other tight end I might comp him out to, but like 700 yards and 10 touchdowns, 55 catches, that would be spectacular. Could, could he have? Could he theoretically have a Zach Ertz-esque season of like 88 catches for 900 yards? Maybe that's, that's a few. Do you think that's within his? I don't think. So. I think he is who he is at this point. Is I'll be stunned if he 60, has 60 and ten. You know, sixty for seven fifty and ten might be the ceiling, but that would be great. And for John o. Smith, tight end, yeah. For John yeah, yeah, Smith, you no thought for John o. Smith, I think people thought they were getting AJ Brown the tight end. They ended up getting Charlie Brown. Yeah, and he I was would. A, a, an absolute friggin' disaster last year. What? He, what? He, they and like I don't want to see the Patriots, and I think we can all agree on this. God forbid we do all agree on one point. Don't want to see them trying to do the whole like get him involved, get him going early, like jet sweeps and the misdirections and the slants and the, uh, all the stuff they did last year. Like once they get him in space, like he tripped over his own feet, he got in the way of other people's passes, he volleyballed interceptions to the other team. Like I think they have to simplify the uh, right. Not the offense, but what they expect out of John o. Smith. Because like you said, Andy, we might be dealing with freakishly good athlete, not a great football player. Yeah, I I think his role will be streamlined with the hopes that it's productive plays more than productive games, if that makes sense. Like pick our spots, yep. use them the athlete. Maybe it's out of the backfield, some spread sets where he's sort of a unique matchup. I actually just totally disagree on Hunter Henry. I think you've seen, probably, you might've seen the best Hunter Henry season you're going to see from the Patriots. I just think that's who he is. I think he's a very consistent, if he's healthy, he's going to give you the 55 or 60 catches, you know, 45 to 55. He's going to give you eight plus Like that is who he, I would almost be stunned if suddenly he had a Gronk season, 1200 mm -hmm. yards and like oh. 14. Yeah. I don't think he'll be a he yard receiver, but like, I think he could have, you know, seven fifty, eight, eight, even yep. like I think his ceiling. What do you have last year? What do you have last? Six hundred, six oh three. Yeah, like four. I, mean, I like guess fifty I just catches, six hundred. I don't think he offers much run after the catch. I don't think he's in it. Like he's just he is who he is, and he's a productive part of an offense. He's just never going to be the offense. And so the next on my list was more in the Hunter Henry category, and I'm intrigued to see Fitzy's response to this because I think. Um, I mean, not Hunter Henry, John o. Smith category, yeah. uh -huh. and that's Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Where, I mean, it was a terrible contract the day they signed it. Almost everybody Awful. on the planet, not named Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, said that. And with every receiver that was out there, no less, as guy as we were just like begging for like Curtis Samuel or like get big and long with like yeah. Kenny Galladay, like you signed who for how much? And he he has the third highest cap number on the team the fifth highest cap number among NFL receivers. Gross. And he is just a guy. And and I almost don't, he didn't really have a terrible year. He had a Nelson Aguilar year. You just expected him to have like a Devonte Adams year or something. Like you paid him like an elite receiver and he, you know, isn't never has been, never will be in my opinion. I just don't understand like, and I don't blame him. If somebody's going to put the bag in front of me, as they say, the kids yep. say, I'm going to take mm -hmm. the damn bag and then I'll take the expectations that come with it. And when people are ripping me, I'll just count my money and like shower myself in money to wash away the tears. <laughs> but I also don't think Nelson Aguilar, like, do we believe Nelson Aguilar is suddenly going to have this breakout season? I absolutely do not. No. And I'm looking right now at his stats career to date. Uh, last year represented the second lowest reception total of his career. Uh, he peaked in 17 and 18, 
uh, when he had 95 targets, 62 catches, 97 targets, 64 catches, uh, eight touchdowns is his career high, 2017 and 2020 with the Raiders. I think Belichick got a peek at him when he was sneaky good or rather surprisingly good, maybe better than people had assumed he would be with the Raiders. Don't forget he cooked Steph Gilmore on a big play in the first half of that game, a game the Patriots ultimately won in Foxborough in the pandemic year. And maybe Belichick thought we can use this guy and expand on him uh, as sort of like a deep threat or a downfield guy. There's just always going to be that part of me that wonders like, did they sign him for Cam Newton? And yeah, then I, don't even, I know people have said that. Yeah. I don't really understand that because Cam couldn't throw the ball deep anymore. He, no, had a he was on. not a deep ball throw. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they signed him, quite frankly. I think maybe they expected the wide receiver market to blow up. There were not a lot of great options. And I maybe they thought they were getting some sort of value because it was a relatively short-term deal. I, I, I Honestly, I'm just throwing crap mm-hmm. at the wall because I, I can't rationalize the signing. I don't understand. Yeah. So I know the – and the lone sort of um, hope right now is – because you've added Devontae Parker and you've added Tyquan Thornton, maybe he's going to get some more time in the slot. Maybe he's better suited in the slot. Maybe he'll get better matchups in the slot. He talked a lot about that a couple of weeks ago on his Zoom. Very optimistic. I don't – I mean, I guess this is the time of year where we sell those stories. Like That also means that the rookie has to be on the field, though, all the right. time, which – We've, I mean, we've never well, really no, seen Parker. that. I mean, Parker is too. It's like, if you mm-hmm. have, okay, sure. if you add, if it's Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne on one side, let's say, and then Parker and Aguilar on the other in mm-hmm. like four receiver sets, spread yeah. sets, he could Again, be in the though, slot. Devontae Parker has to be on the field. He has he, had health issues. He's had one Tyquan, full season, one full and season. And then Tyquan Thornton has to be on the field, and he is a rookie receiver on the New England Patriots. And he has to Did get the offense. And, have you, know you seen his wrist? Yeah, I know. No, no, no. The Patriots put out their rookie minicamp, like, 40-picture gallery on Patriots.com, oh, and there's one of him, like, taking off from the line of scrimmage, and, like, you see his wrist, and you're like, damn, he does have little bony, skinny little wrists. <laughs> But you have to actually catch him in order to see him, and that's obviously something that's not easy to do. Okay, so we're looking for uh, more Kendrick Bourne, anything from Jonu Smith. And as far as I'm concerned, with somebody, uh, they committed $31.5 million to Jonu Smith. And for Aguilar, they're going to pay the man. We've said before in the pod, they're obviously not going to get much uh, in terms of maybe just a little salary relief if they could even find a trading partner. It's not worth cutting him. So you pay the man this year. It's a bad contract. Bill doing one of those off-season Bill things. And then you see if he can either stretch the field to open things up for other people or make a few more contributions than last season. Andy, we got to move on to the final segment of the pod, but um, who are the la- how did you uh, rank the last two? Uh, Henry Anderson, yep. dark horse, mm-hmm. um, professional, if you recall, Bill Belichick said he will help us this year. He guaranteed yep. it. When some people were wondering, like, is this guy going to get cut as a first free agent, sign- whatever, so I think Henry Anderson will be in a nice rotational mix with the Dietrich Wises of the world, Lawrence guys, and then Raekwon McMillan, who we talked about in the previous segment. If he's healthy, I think there's a chance Raekwon McMillan starts an abundance of games this year for the Patriots at linebacker. Rock solid. Hard to disagree with that list, Andy. Good job by you. If you want to read the list, it's at weei.com. If you disagree or you have a different pecking order, tweet at us. He's at Jumbo Hart. And of course, we are at Six Rings Pod.
All right, time now for a new little segment here on the Six Rings Podcast. We thank you for listening, following, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Pods, Spotify, Podbean, Pod Ramble, Pod Heart, Pod Jumble, Podistan, Pod is the New Sexy. Wherever you happen to get your podcast, that's fine. We don't worry about it so long as you listen, sub, rate, and review. This is Patriots Potpourri, our little uh, junk drawer, if you will, the news, notes, and nuggets segment where we just gather up a couple little things that have been floating around the Foxborough sphere, if you will, and uh, just, you know, toss a couple of takes and opinions before we punch out and call it a day. Uh, Andy, I know you love doing this to people all the time. Uh, that would be roasting them. And I wanted to get yours and Shime's excitement or your opinion, your take on Tom Brady announcing that he will be the subject of an executive producer for a new Netflix roast-based comedy series, Groat, where they will be roasting some of the greatest of all time. The greatest roast of all time is going to be the series. Brady's production company, 199 Productions, will be executive producing alongside Jeffrey Ross, the Roastmaster General. Uh, he will be roasted at the end of the 2023 season. It didn't say that he's retiring. They'll just film it next offseason, and I guess it'll be released summer of 2023. Andy, how excited are you for this? Or do you think we have now reached the peak, 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 peak of Brady saturation and Brady fatigue? Uh, we certainly have reached Brady saturation. Absolutely no question about it. And it concerns me that he is part of the production of this mm -hmm. because I am here for it, an actual Tom Brady roast. If this is legitimate and this is like nothing is off limits, no holds barred, which a good roast is, right? A good for roast. A 100%. There is no canceling. There is no. no editing. You say what you say and you leave it all on the table. Exactly. If this is truly a Tom Brady roast, sign me up. I will be watching the second it streams on my Netflix because – Hell, I've been roasting Tom Brady for like 10 years and it hasn't gone over all that well around here. But yeah, no, I, I'm all for it. All for it. As long as they do it the right way. But if it ends up turning into a Brady and his production company need to see your set list, you have to submit all jokes, uh, no mentioning the kids, no Yoko Bunchin references or whatever, else, like stuff like that. Nope. Like if that all, if it only can just be about the fact that he gets younger as he gets older and blah, blah, blah. Uh, no Guerrero jokes or stuff like that. Well, if no there's jokes not a Guerrero groin rubbing joke by somebody or even worse than that, maybe a little right. bit more vulgar and inappropriate, then this whole thing is a farce. <laughs> it, it is like you, you it's have 100% true. You have to, you have to go as low as low can go. You've yeah. got to go like full Guerrero. bore. You have, <laughs> you have to go full bore. It's that simple. You have to, and you know that like, if it's going to be just like, you know, one or two, Jeff Ross, one or two comedians that Brady likes, uh, Gronk, Peyton Manning, and one other person, then it's just going to suck. Then it's yeah. just going to be like, meh. It, it shouldn't be meh. Brady should be so confident in his own career resume, so confident in his accomplishments, and so so comfortable in his half a billion dollar net worth and growing and general goatness that he shouldn't give a flying shit what anyone else <laughs> says. As a matter of fact, lay it Whoa. on him. Get no after swear. it. We can swear on this every Kids now and again. Kids are listening. Think of the oh. children. <laughs> Fuck them. No, <laughs> double down. Fitzy's no longer going to be a part of the uh, Six Rings podcast. Eat a, yeah, right. Eat, Update. Yeah, Andy, you can eat a bag of Six Rings pod. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I can't wait for it. Honest to God, I'll tell you straight up. Be nothing. I've done a few of these before. There is nothing. I would kill to be in the audience. Hell, I would. I'd move heaven and earth to just get a thirty-second audition 
in front of whoever is booking Stop. or producing I'm the whole thing. Proceed. Your 30 seconds start now, Mr. Fitzgerald. I haven't written my jokes. Oh, I thought you were a real comedian that could oh. just do it like that. No, not with roast. They take time. This is a surgical operation. <laughs> I don't want to blow my shot right now. No way. Are you kidding? But I would gladly. I will tell you what, Andy. I will whip up a series of Tom Brady roast jokes in hopes maybe that I can put them out there into the webosphere and, and be considered or ridiculed and mocked endlessly for them. I will submit them for your approval. We'll do them one day on the pod, and then Perfect. we'll see what you think. All right? Okay. Now, Shime, I believe you have a little uh, interactive correspondence you'd like to Yeah, so uh, I got some emails, some Twitter comments for you guys. Uh, we can get some thoughts and thoughts and ideas out Andy, there. Andy, sing, sing the viewer mail theme song. They hate Shime. They hate Shime. They hate Shime. And now it's mail time. <laughs> Wait, can I read one real quick? Please. Um, this was in response to uh, uh, <laughs> saying on Twitter, uh, recording another action-packed six rings with Jumbo Heart and Chime Time. Love your questions, mailbag, blah, 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 blah. First response I saw was, can you do it without Chime? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you can't. I'm sorry. If, if I wasn't here, this whole production doesn't go through. And so. did you see what I – that's a great – that's a tremendous point, first and foremost. But secondary to that, my response was, this is the kind of barroom, no-holds-barred community we want. Love and hate coexisting in one podcast. Like, I can make fun of Fitzy. Like, earlier, yep. when Fitzy said they love the tools that Josh Uche brings to the defense, I was thinking, well, if they love tools, then Fitzy should start at linebacker for the Patriots. <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, so funny, I forgot to laugh. Well, first email for you guys is an email. You can email us at uh, sixringspod at gmail.com. Uh, same as all of our tags. Makes it nice and easy. Uh, so this is from Rob. Rob is emailing in from the United Kingdom. By the, the UK. Way. All right. Uh, just a quick aside. Yep. We're big in the United Kingdom. I know that from the, yes. the Patriots have a massive following. UK Pats fans, that whole thing. And if the podcasts are making their way over there, that's good mm -hmm. for us because there are a very lot of loyal, passionate, but also sneaky sort of edgy Patriots yeah. fans. That. Over in the it's, UK. That, it's that it's that foot like that soccer yes. football edge right. that Ooh, I love. And I'll, and I'll tell you for a uh, shout out to Warren Ladd, my guy who helps yep. run the UK Patriots fan club. They are awesome, Shime. You got to come to a game this fall and hang out. The tail the after tailgate with those guys is a rip. Uh, best time I've ever had watching a Patriots game, non-playoff or Super Bowl edition, when I saw them play the Rams in 2012 at Wembley, hanging with the UK Patriots. That's fans. awesome. That yeah. was I would love to go to Wembley. It's nonstop chants and cheers and the songs yep. and creativity. Oh, and 300 ounces of Carlsberg during the game. Yeah, that helps. That helps. Uh, so anyway, so Rob says, any idea why Nikhil Harry wasn't trained up to be a tight end when it was obvious his receiver days were never going to be fruitful? He has pretty good blocking skills and relatively safe hands in sort of positions that tight ends find themselves. Uh, we wouldn't have had to draft Dalton Keene, so could have gotten another player and wouldn't need to, to have signed Jonu Smith, so that would have also saved money or allowed the Patriots to trade for another player. And now just getting rid of him without getting anything at all seems pretty fruitless. Thanks, Rob. Well, I'm always a little hesitant, and I'm also very praiseful of guys that do play multiple positions. I think it's really hard at the most elite level to just say, oh, you're no longer this, which you've been training for your entire life since you were a little kid. We're going to make you this. And so to, I know he's a big receiver, but he's a really small tight end. So you're talking about having to bulk up. No longer is he blocking safeties 
defensive backs, cornerbacks. Now you're saying, I actually need you to block Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt on the end line of the scrimmage, Matt Judon. Like, you're blocking different types of players. I just, A, I don't think he'd be a very good tight end. B, he still won't have the hands. So, I mean, now you're saying he's going to go flat out to just being a pure blocking tight end. Usually pure blocking tight ends are like, X tackles that weigh 270 pounds. Like Rod, Rod Rutledge is the dream at that position. Right. So I just don't think, and by the way, they haven't yet given up on him for nothing. There's yeah. still a chance Fair. that somebody gets desperate enough to give you a seventh round pick or something. I, I could, I could maybe, you know, like Mike Gasicki is 6'6, 245. You know, Irv Smith Jr., who's finally going to get his shot this year in Minnesota, he's he's no brohemoth as well. I mean, he's a very large human being. I wondered the same thing as well, Rob Scheim. I thought maybe they would have given him a shot there, maybe bulk up, put on a few because. The idea of him being an oversized Anquan Bolden winning at the point of attack and being a 50-50 ball and possession specialist just never came to be. I'd, I'd give it a flyer, but what do I know? And by the way, that email once again came from not just Rob, Robert Edwards, and no, not the former running back who tore up his knee in the sand back in 1998. All right, Shime, mail call, next one. Uh, this one is from Maketa. Mc I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, today, Junior. You no, know, the name is Maketa. Honestly, honestly uh, really, it, just trust the me. Worst. It's they, really, thankful. Just... Thank, thank you to them for actually putting like the pronunciation right. in parentheses. I appreciate that. If you guys so, could Maketa's only see the smile on Andy's face as he just annoys Shime and interrupts the podcast. Go ahead. Go so, ahead. Maketa says, "Longtime Canadian Pats fan here, also popular in Canada. Clearly, originally from the East Coast, but living on the West Coast for the past few years. Uh, so I'm missing those early football games." and guaranteed get Patriots games, but appreciating some of the earlier start times. Now, thoughts on the schedule. Tough start to the season. Dolphins, Steelers, Ravens, Packers, and a scrappy and likely improved Lions team. No gimme games in there. I'm never. I'm ever the optimist, so I'm hoping for four and one during that stretch, but a cautious three and two. I like us in a tight game against the Browns, a good game against the Bears. Hoping the Jets hype dies in all caps quickly, despite the well-rounded thoughts on their improvements on the podcast. Take the Pats on both Jets game, win against the Colts, Vikings, Cardinals, and Raiders. Split with the Bills, fingers crossed. Tough game against the Bengals that I hope we can pull out. Think we can go for the sweep against Miami as well. I've got us at an optimistic 13 and 4 or 12 and 5 on snap takes without overanalyzing every detail. Always ride with my guys. I've got us making the playoffs anywhere from the three seed to the seven. Hope you guys are doing great. Can't wait to hear the reactions. Go, Pats. If I may quote from one of Andy's, one of just, I think one of everyone's favorite movies, um, the great rom com, When Harry Met Sally. I'll have what she's having. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> I think we can all use a little bit of that optimism in life. I think she should have what you're having. I think you should be fired and she should take over the six ring podcast as the super fan. Cause that was the loyalty and passion we're looking for in that role. To be fair. Also don't know if it's a he or she don't want to clarify oh. that. Uh, I just know that the name is Maketa. Uh, I don't know. It could be either. So there you go. Just how do you spell Maketa? M Y K Y T A Maketa Maketa. Maqueta. Uh good uh, I thirteen and four. Listening. I appreciate that the loyalty. Is optimistic as hell. I am passionate and optimistic. We got a YY. We got a YY <laughs> right? like, I think, Again, I think Maqueta and seven I over would, here. I think Maqueta and I would balance each other out very, very well. I exactly. I said I said six and eleven. They're going uh to, you know, thirteen and four, twelve and five right. here. So uh you know, shout out to them. 
Andy I, is in the middle at eight and nine. This is objectivity. And, and Fitzy is a torn man who doesn't know what he's supposed to think. I, again, I said 10. I, a fence like Glenn Olin. Again, I said yeah. 10 and seven, but we'll see how things shake out. 13 and four. Wouldn't we all love a little bit more? All right, Sean, we got time for one more. I think actually. Last got, one for you from uh, William Berry yes. on Twitter. Any plans to buy an XFL or USFL team to be the minor league team for roster spots 54 through 90 and train coaches in the, quote, Patriot way, however that's defined? Five or six home games in spring, especially if the Revs move to Providence, question mark. I would effing love that. As you know, I'm a fan of the upstart and developmental leagues. I thought XFL 2.0 was very entertaining. And now that they've signed a deal, Andy, to sort of cooperate and be kind of a training ground for the NFL in this XFL 3.0 as they'll be owned or co-owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I think there's a chance maybe you could almost see XFL teams as developmental and or taxi squads or something like that for NFL teams. And if nothing else, at least you'll see them uh, try some rules out or figure things out on the fly. Or at least that's what um, we were to glean from that announcement a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. I, there, There's a relationship working already. Hard to bet against The Rock. Mm -hmm. uh, their commitments from the, the Mickey Mouse world of ABC mm -hmm. and ESPN is huge for their... They signed a four-year deal, which... I think is a little presumptuous on their part, but I appreciate it. Like thinking you're going to be around as one of these spring leagues in four years is phenomenal. And this idea, this business model that William Berry kind of brings up here of now buying in ownership, having your own team where Bill Belichick yep. can send. So, you know, maybe we can develop coaches in the XFL instead of on Sundays in the NFL in the fall, like they're looking like they're going to do this year. Yep. Um, I love everything about that. The one thing I will question, and I've always questioned it, Playing football year-round is difficult. And I know we're talking about very few people, but sending a guy to the XFL to play April, May, into June, and then saying, oh, by the way, training camp starts in a month, and you were really good, so we want you here in training camp, now rolling into a season. Playing a full year of NFL football, that is incredibly taxing on the human. I actually heard high school kids, you know how the during the pandemic there was a lot of spring season football and then they right. played again in the fall. Heard yep. high school kids saying, like, at the age of 17 and 18, their bodies were having a hard time in the turnaround from spring to fall. So that would be my one. And I know they used to have NFL Europe and World League, and they did mm -hmm. it, and and it led to some players and, and, and things of that nature. But I love the idea. I love the attempt. And I think it would be a great way to get more people staying in the game of football. Maybe for maybe for rules, procedures, coaching more so than it would be potentially for players. And of course, I've trotted it out there before. We talked about it on a Sunday show on WEEI. So, you know, millions of people heard it. I always thought the XFL 3.0 should be used for relegation because some teams just don't belong <laughs> in the NFL. Jacksonville, you know what you did. Our eyes are on you. All right, that'll do for another exciting edition of Six Rings and Football Things. Thank you all for listening very much. Shime is happy. Andy is flipping you off and giving you guys very strange three Stooges faces on the way out the door. And I'm grateful for the time. Thank you guys for letting us into your heads and hearts. We appreciate the listen. Rate, subscribe, share. Let us know what you guys are thinking at Six Rings Pod. And, of course, Six Rings Pod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with a couple brand new podcasts. Until then, good job by you, Shime. Good job by you, Andy. He's at Shime Time. He's at Jumbo Heart. I'm at Fitzy GFY. Thanks for listening. Good luck. God bless. Drink up. And as always, go Pats. Bye.
Not Bye. Not doing it. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus